0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Everybody say, I am overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Amen? Amen. I'm overwhelmed. Mark chapter 3 Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. That is my text. Turn to somebody and say, I'm overwhelmed today. I'm going to give you a lot of stories. People need stories on these kind of days. I'm going to be telling some stories today, not lies, but stories. You may be seated. This is Memorial Day Sunday, and this is a day that we reflect those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom, men and women who gave all. We also speak words of comfort to the families and the children and teachers who lost their lives in Uvalde. I want to give this church two of the greatest lessons I ever learned in life. Well, pastor, can you just narrow it down to two? Yeah, I can narrow it down to two. They may not match other pulpits theologies, but I'm not in competition with those said pulpits. As a young man, I wanted to know the Lord for myself. I was raised in an extremely legalistic church and I desperately wanted to have a close and a personal relationship with the Savior. Perhaps I feared him more than I loved him, fear as in afraid, not in as reverence. I also did not want to just, just want the blessing of Esau. I had found out that there was a birthright that Jacob got. And I chased God and I pursued God and I humbled myself to his call. This is before I was a minister. I walked the road of discipleship as best I could as a young man. I desired the best gifts. I'm not bragging on myself, but I preached about him when I started ministry with a passion that was misunderstood by many, even my family. Then one day it happened. One day it just happened. God showed me things about himself. I had a revelation of this God, no, I'm not John and I wasn't on Patmos and I didn't write the revelation. No, 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 no. But I got one for myself that I had to have to travel through life. I'm gonna give you two of those today. Two of those revelations that I got several years ago which makes me overwhelmed today. Number one, Jesus loves me in spite of me. Say it with me, Jesus loves me me. in spite of me. me. Some of us aren't lovable. When we wake up in the morning, hadn't combed her hair, hadn't brushed her teeth, we can't even say hello with a good breath to Jesus, but he loves us in spite of us. There's a classic film from 1984 called Places in the Heart and it starred Sally Fields and John Malkovich and Danny Glover and Ed Harris. And the movie is set in the Depression era. Small town sheriff is killed, leaving his wife and two kids. I'm still trying to do at the movies because I didn't get to do at the movies, so I'm bringing you the movie, <laughs> to scrap out a living on their cotton farm. And when the bank threatens to foreclose, the widow takes in a border. He was a blind veteran of the Great War, played by Malkovic. Later, a drifter, played by Danny Glover, takes up residence with she and the kids. Together, the widow, the blind man, and the drifter, and two of the children try to pull off the impossible to get the first load of cotton picked and hauled to the gin so they can win the monetary prize sufficient to save the farm one more year. The most compelling thing about the movie is the odd mix of characters who make up the movie. A widow with no farming experience and skills a blind man who is bitter about his life and a wanderer, a drifter who struggles with honesty, he really does and two little children and at the end of the movie they're all sitting in church. I don't think it was Memorial Day but they're sitting in church and they're all singing and while the faces of all the people in the story are displayed for the viewing audience they are singing a song. It took me a while to catch the strange ending because it just ended without words, just a song. Just didn't seem to fit. It was unusual. And then I got it. I recognized it. I saw it. In essence, that film was telling us that everybody in that church house mattered. Everybody counted. Everybody was slash is important, at least in that movie. Have you ever noticed How good stories work that formula. A neat freak and a world-class slob have to learn to live together in a a show called The Odd Couple. Or seven people, all of whom are weird in some way, stranded together on a deserted island called Gilligan's Island. Or 12 hardened criminals and a colonel on 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 the outs with his commanders on a mission to eliminate the Nazi leadership, the Dirty Dozen. And it's not just television shows and movies. Disparate characters all united in a common quest populate some of the greatest works of literature such as The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. One of my best reads are Of Mice and Men and Harper Lee's To Kill a Malkin And then there is the Bible. There's the Bible. What a list of disparate characters. None worthy or capable of God's love. None of them. Mark 3, I just read, is a selection of 12 men from the hundreds of followers of Jesus that he would take to train to change the world. For a moment, let's look at two of those guys, two of who are not spoken of often. The first is Matthew, and the second is Simon Zelotus, the Canaanite. Matthew, folks, was a tax collector. Oh, he was fun to be around. He worked for the IRS. And Simon, he was a tax protester. Matthew was a revenuer for the Romans. Simon was a rebel against the Romans. Matthew was wealthy. Simon was a commoner. Matthew made his money overcharging people like Simon. And Simon lived to eliminate people like Matthew. True story. Talk about an odd couple. With that in mind, I want to take you and let's look at one more passage in Acts chapter 2. 17 nationalities, folks. 17 nationalities. Remember the Tower of Babel back in the Old Testament? This is the undoing of Babel. When everybody was dispersed, God's bringing people back together at Pentecost. The first miracle of the church was not, it was not tongue speaking, it was community making. Stay with me now, making sure everybody knew of all the 17 nationalities that they counted, that they counted. And the reason it qualifies as a miracle is because it runs counter to the normal and natural human response to diversity. Look around you here today, there's a lot of diversity. This place looks a whole lot like heaven's gonna look like one day, a lot of other kind of people A lot of other kind of folks that maybe you were raised up not to welcome those people and not to talk to those people, but you're going to church with them now. And I love it. Clap your hands and say, thank God for this Memorial Day. This overwhelms me. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad to be sitting beside you. I'm overwhelmed. Oh, I'm going to preach here in just a minute. I feel this in my spirit. John eleven thirty five. 35, the Bible said, Jesus wept. The next verse, the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus is depicted as loving a dead man, a dead man, naturally dead, one with corruption in his body, already buried, gone. It's over in his life, yet Jesus loved him. I love, I love Robert Fulgham's writing, If you've ever read Robert Fulgham, you know what I'm talking about. He writes so uniquely. He doesn't write sermon books. He writes story books. He tells a wonderful story about a kindergarten class that decided to perform the story of Cinderella one day. And there are a lot of roles in Cinderella, but still casting was a chore. All the girls, of course, wanted to be Cinderella. Finally, all the kids were assigned roles except one, a small tubby kid named Norman. The teacher asked Norman, what are you gonna be, Norman? He said, well, I think I'll be the pig. And the teacher said, Norman, there's no pig in the story of Cinderella. And Norman said, well, there is now. (laughs) And the teacher could tell it would be senseless to argue with Norman, so she left it to Norman to decide what role the pig played in the Cinderella story. And as it turned out, the pig went everywhere. that Cinderella went and did whatever Cinderella did. Norman had no lines. He was a pig. Nothing to say, but Norman's face reflected the action of the drama. When things were serious, he was serious. When things looked worrisome, he looked worried. When things were in doubt, he looked anxious. He began to fill the stage with his presence of response by simply just sitting there. And at the end of the performance, when the princess was carried off to live happily ever after, Norman stood on his hind legs and barked. (laughs) In rehearsal, this had been troublesome because the teacher said, look, Norman, even if there's a pig in the story, pigs do not bark. And Norman said, well, this one does. (laughs) That kid's gonna run for president one day. You can imagine what happened the night of the performance. There was a standing ovation at the end for the pig. Norman, the barking pig, who was, as it turns out, the Cinderella in the story after all. Word got around. People called up the teacher and said, we hear you got this dynamite Cinderella program. What's so special about it? And the teacher said, well, there's a pig in it. (laughs) Actually a barking pig. And the person on the other end of the telephone would say, but there's no barking pig in Cinderella. And the teacher would say with great conviction, well, there is now. Is that one of the best stories you ever heard in your life? Jesus would love Norman and his talking pig. He was who he was, no matter how foolish he might have seemed to others. Jesus' disciple Simon Peter was somewhat like that. It's only natural that when Simon Peter saw Jesus walking to them on the water, he would jump overboard and try to walk to meet Jesus. And Peter understood a principle that I'll endeavor to minister this morning. Jesus loved Simon Peter. He loved him. With all his impulsiveness, with all his bravado, with all his unbridled enthusiasm, Jesus loved Simon Peter. Jesus saw beyond the foot in his mouth disease. He saw beyond his almost drowning. Jesus loved Simon Peter. Jesus looked past the bragging, the swagger, the compulsion to embellish his ideas. He saw beyond Simon Peter's impulsive nature to the leader that he could be. It's obvious that Jesus would rather tone down a fanatic than try to resurrect a corpse, resurrect a corpse. And that's what I'm talking about today. There's a lot of people that have funny ways about you. I'm gonna go ahead and share that because I've been your pastor a while. Some of you are funny way people. And some of you, you know, you're funny ha-ha and some are funny different. (laughs) But I've come to tell you on Memorial Day weekend that Jesus loves all kinds of people. Come on, clap your hands. You can't find an out. You can't find an out. Oh, I want to preach right now. You can't find an out from his love. You can't run from it. David said, if I take the wings of morning, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there. I can't get away from the presence of God. And when you get in his presence, you understand. He loves you just as you are. You need to get that revelation in spite of yourself. He loves you. Peter was the exact opposite of the man I once read about, Roy Robert Smith in the Guinness World Record Book of Achievements, Roy Robert. Here's just a small sampling of the things that 36-year-old Roy Robert Smith had never tried. You ready for this? He never tasted an ice cream soda or a Coca-Cola or a ginger ale. He had never gone hunting or swimming or fishing or hiking or ice skating. He had never driven a car. He's in the Guinness World Record Book or ridden a motorcycle or a horse or a bicycle. He'd never had a surgical operation. That's pretty cool. he had never joined a church. That's not. Or a club or a lodge or an organization. He never studied a foreign language. Never been outside the United States and never kissed a girl when he was 36 years old. I guess he might have kissed a few trees. I don't know. (laughs) But Jesus told me to tell you today, Jesus loves Norman the talking pig. And Jesus loved Peter floundering in the water. And Jesus loved Roy Robert Smith who never did anything. And here's my question today, where else are people who don't fit in, going to fit in? Can I tell you, you can clap if you want to, you can sit there and just take it in if you want to. But that's why there's no place like church. There's no place like church. Church will take you at your most down moment. Church will take you at your highest achievement. Church will take you when you've just stumbled and fallen and it looks like you're not going to be able to get back up. Church will take you any way you walk in. And nobody else does that like church. All oh, your friends might for a while, but after a while they get tired. But the church never gets tired of loving on you. You hear me? Because we've got a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told my Pastor buddies, I I wrote them today. I said, well, the crowd won't be there today like it always is. But I said, Jesus is going to show up today. So why don't you just edify and magnify Jesus today and see what he will do. And folks, why don't we lift our hands right now and clap our hands over our head and say, I magnify you today, Lord. And I thank you because you love me in spite of me. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of things happen in my life that were wrong, but you still love me today. That's memorable, folks. That's a Memorial Day message to you. He loves you today. He loves you today. So I got a little song here. I know a place Ain't nobody crying Ain't nobody dying mm mm Come with me and I'll take you there. Now, I know 72-year-old man not supposed to do that. But I just feel like we need to just magnify Jesus in our hearts when we walk out of here today and say, you know what? I got a revelation today. Jesus loves me in spite of me. And if you want to go with me to a place where ain't nobody crying or dying, everybody's happy, everybody's rejoicing, come follow me to church next Sunday. Come on, let's clap our hands real big. That's good stuff. And the second thing that I was overwhelmed with was this, I must accept his love to really live. I've got to accept it. Loving Jesus was the key to abundant living. It's a necessary part of life. We need to love who he is. Anybody love him around here? What he has done what he can do, what he will do. And understanding he loves me is the quest of life. I've got to understand that. John 3, 16 said, he loved us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You sing about it, you hear about it, you talk about it. But listen to me, but accepting his love is the key to a fulfilled life. Loving him is the quest of life, but accepting his love is the key to a fulfilled life. I want you to to close your eyes right here, right now. This is not, not, I'm not finished, but I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to say, Jesus, I want to accept your love in my life. I'm tired of resisting what you're doing in my life. And I receive you today. John was different than the other three synoptic gospel writers. He walked differently. He called himself the disciple Jesus loved. Wow. Sometimes he didn't even use his name, just his moniker. Disciple whom Jesus loved. He was closest to Jesus at the Last Supper. He laid his head on his chest. He's the only disciple at the cross. He became Mary, the mother of Jesus' his adopted son. He took the mother of Jesus home. He was privileged to write the revelation of Jesus Christ and he died, the only disciple to die a natural death. John realized that accepting the love of Jesus Christ is really living. That's when you really live. See, doubt is our enemy. Fear is our greatest adversary. Jesus loves believers. Jesus loves people who dream great dreams, who still believe that all things are possible to those who believe in Him, who are willing to step out in faith and do great things for Him. Can I share a part of the prodigal son's story that maybe you've never thought about? Though he was still in a hog pen, listen to me, had not, he had not lost his place with his father. He was still there, he was still his son. And his prayer was, Make me a servant because he didn't think he was a son anymore. But the dad was at home preparing a fatted calf. He was having a robe woven right then that would fit his boy. He was having a ring made for his return to put on his hand. He had an invitation list prepared for the party when the son returned while he was still in the hog pen. Can I tell you, you gotta understand something. Jesus really does love you. And you've gotta accept that no matter where you are today, no matter where you are in the middle of this, of this year, we're almost coming to the middle of the year, you still gotta understand that you've got to accept the love of Jesus to really grow in your life. It's not what you give away, it's what you receive. Come on, help me. It's not what you throw away, it's what you receive from him. And I do care where you are in your life today. I don't wanna say I don't care, I do care. But if you're in a place that you don't wanna be, just understand the Lord. Is making provisions for you right now when you come back and call on his name. I'm almost finished. Even though they gave me the floor late, I'm almost finished. (laughs) There was a law west of the Pecos called the Judge Roy Bean Law. And he had a jailhouse. And I think this is more urban legend than it is true, but put his worst criminals in that jailhouse. It was impregnable, never was escaped from it. was discovered after he was gone and the place was torn down, it was made of cardboard, plastered cardboard. And the men said, well, when you get in in that Judge Roy Beans jailhouse, you can't get out. He held them in check with a cardboard jailhouse. Hell's plan is cardboard fear. He wants to keep you away from expressing and receiving the love of Jesus Christ in your heart today. First John four said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Randy, if you'll come. I read a story of a man who went by to see his old friend one day who was a music teacher. And he said to him, what's the good news today, teach? And the old teacher was silent as he stood up and walked across the room and picked up a small hammer and struck a tuning fork. And as the note sounded out through the room, he said, that's an A, that's an A. It's an A today. It was an A 5,000 years ago and it'll be an A 10,000 years from now. The soprano upstairs, he said, sings off key. The tenor across the hall flattens out his high notes. The piano downstairs is terribly out of tune. Then he struck the note again and he said, but my friend, that is an A. Always has been, always will be. And that's the good news for today. Jesus is our A. He's never changed. He never will change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I knew I was gonna be preaching to a sleepy crowd today. So I didn't try to fire you up. I just wanted to tell you a true story about the Jesus I love. He's an awesome Savior. He's an awesome Savior. There's nobody like Jesus. or nobody like him. Ding! Randy hit an A for me. Ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I wish we had an instrument here that just played A because that's the key. A shepherd was in the field one day and he used to listen to the radio and the sheep would be quieted by the radio station he listened to and one day, one day, called into the radio or he wrote a letter to the radio station and he said, on a certain day at a certain time, would you mind playing the note of A, the A note? Because my harp's a little out of tune. I need to tune it up for my sheep. And so the radio station wrote him a letter back and he got it out there in his little mailbox and he opened it up and told him a certain day that the radio station a certain time and he had the station turned on and about that time, the radio station disc jockey said to the shepherd out in the field with your sheep, "Here's a, here's your A," and he rang it about five times. And the shepherd found his note again. Sometimes you just have to come and understand a pastor just going to preach to you, but you got to get back on the note again. You got to get back on your A. Jesus is our A. He'll never be a B. He sure ain't never going to be a C or a D or an L. He's our A. He's our A. He's our A. Would you stand and give the word a hand today? Not me, but the word. Would you clap for the word today? Come on, clap for the word today. Rejoice over the word today. I want to tell you, you got to let go of your fear. You got to get out of that fear. Let go of the things that hold you back from accepting the love of God. Let go. And let God love you. And receive it. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes. But let go. And say, I, I know that he loves me and I'm gonna get my heart right again in his sight because he'll never stop loving me. Never, never, never. So on this Memorial Day weekend, Jesus is the one who will take the key of salvation, unlock the shackles of sin, self, and Satan, and he will set you free. And when you're free, you'll be free indeed. Lift your hands and let me bless you today all over the building. Dear Father, I love you today. And I'm honored to be pastor of this congregation. And thank you for letting me talk to the people today. Thank you for letting me discuss the beautiful thing called the love of Christ to these people. I'm overwhelmed, Lord, that you love me in spite of me. And I'm overwhelmed, God, that I need to receive that love to grow. I need to receive it. So, Lord, let me understand you love me and let me understand that you want to help me receive your love today. For it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen.